Well, I'll start off by saying this. Welcome to the Eye of the Storm here on HurricaneRadio.net. My name's John Cabral. Let me tell you something. A Jose can say go back. Tell me you didn't pay money for this. I'm going to take a major dump big time. Gastrointestinally. That'd be a lot of points in Scrabble. Get you tell that son of a bitch no Yankee is ever coming to Houston. Two donuts and a chocolate milk during morning rush? That's your order? Get out. Come on. Turn it off, sir. Don't play it again. What was the injury that LeBron supposedly had last year? A uh, menstrual cramps. <laughs> you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. I didn't realize there was more. I'm sorry. Oh, there's always more. Everywhere, like, such as. Back off, pal. I might not actually do anything for the Cape League, but I got here on the Cape League book. Yeah. What'd you do? Take the tea? Please. All right, all right, Hurricane Radio Revisited, part two coming your way. But first of all, very important item of business that I just have to get out of the way. I'm carrying this guilt around on my shoulders for some time, and I just have to move on with my life. Shane Victorino, Jake Peavy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I doubted you. I'm sorry I said you were washed up. I'm sorry I criticized the Red Sox for getting you. You've proven me wrong. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Brian Geiler is here. We're in Brian Geiler's home once again. It takes a fitting. big man to admit that, John. Yes. And I'm sorry, Brian. No, don't apologize to me. Oh, all right. I was just going down the list. I was right. crapping on uh, Rick okay. Arena in the offseason, and I was making fun of Jake Peavy's mm-hmm. yeah. career ballooned playoff ERA when he got traded here. But so far, so good with both of those guys. I'm loving this Rick yeah. Arena. He hits a home run every time I watch a game now. And he's batting exclusively from the right side, right. which I love. Mm-hmm. Love that. Wanted Jason Veritek to do that. I thought Me he too. could have gotten extra years out of his career if he did that. What the hell? It looks like it's working for Victorino. So. It certainly is. And then that complete game in Chavez Ravine made a believer out of me with PV. I was extremely impressed with that. That was when, I mean, the Dodgers have cooled off a bit now, but they were still setting the world on fire when that happened. PV is a horse. I'm, I'm figuring this out, that he just, he's one of those dudes who's just like, give me the ball, and I'm going to kill it. And, he, you know, he might not succeed every time, but... I like his demeanor out there. He doesn't seem to be one of those whiners who always complains that they're umpire or anything like that. So So we've been talking a lot this week about the Red Sox, as we usually do. But an interesting thing is going on here is we've gotten to a point in our conversations, we talk all the time, almost daily, where if I say something to you about the Red Sox game or you say something to me, we're now once again doing that with the knowledge that the other guy is probably watching. Which is the first time For the last couple of years, it's been like, well... John's probably not watching, so I'm going to tell him about this. Or Brian's probably not watching, so I'm going to tell him about this. I don't know about you, but these last few days, I've kind of walked around with that thought in my head, I can't wait to go home and watch the Red Sox tonight, which has been foreign to me for a long time. I thought it was going to take years for them to suck me back in. I really mm-hmm. did. I mean, mm-hmm. I that, that 2011 September, the way that they handled themselves, the way that they handled themselves after that, specifically the way the ownership treated Tito on the way out. Mm-hmm. that, re- And then the whole Bobby Valentine charade and that disaster. I mean, that really left a sour taste in my mouth. And I remember saying, you know, the Bruins have a really good core. The Bruins are going to be really competitive for a while. The Patriots still have Brady, so they're still always in, in it. Whether they can win it or not is, is uh, you know, a different podcast. But I got so much other stuff going on, you know, not to mention a, a job a wedding coming up, that sort of thing. I don't need the Red Sox. This was like my my thought process. Well, screw that. Uh, who needs 162 games of crap? And it's going to take a while for them to get me back. And here we are, you know, around Labor Day, and I'm back, baby. Like I'm on board. I'm watching all the games. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's 
I, I'm very surprised, and I give 100% of the credit to, to Ben Charrington. I do, too. I think that that trade with the Dodgers really changed everything. And there are two things I want to get to as far as the changing faces. You don't like John Lackey. Neither do I, really. But we do have to give Charrington credit not only for having the stones to pull the trigger on the trade, but also the Dodgers' version of the trade that they wanted was going to include Lackey instead of Crawford. Getting that switched really changed what this trade was able to do. Because I know Crawford has put up some numbers over there, but I do not think he would have put them up here. I don't either. And I also, if you look at the numbers, come on, they're not that great. And this is, I was, when I looked at those numbers, people were, oh, Carl Crawford's having a great year over there, blah, blah, blah. And then I watched the game and they showed his numbers and I was like, okay, those are good numbers. Those are still not $17 million a year numbers. Those are still not whatever crazy contract he has. Those type of numbers. Lackey will always be overpaid. He'll always be John Lackey. He'll never be an endearing character. But he is contributing in this pennant race right now, which is something that I just don't think would have happened with Carl Crawford. No, I, I completely agree. But let me just say this about Lackey. You know, you know, our hatred for John Lackey has been well documented both both on this podcast and in the Hurricane Radio studios when we used to do that. We hated the guy from basically day one. Mm-hmm. I always hated him when he was with the Angels. I hate him now. Here's my problem with John Lackey, and there's, I see there's a lot of people who are coming around about him, and they're saying, oh, you know, John Lackey, boy, isn't this great? He's pitching really well. This is really great. Isn't this, isn't this nice now that he's healthy? No, no, no. Yeah, no. He, I don't buy this now that he's healthy crap. I buy this now that he's actually in shape. Do you, have you seen how much weight this guy's lost from the last couple of years? And kudos to him for doing that right off the bat from day one. I mean, really showing visually everyone that he was making a commitment to getting his head out of his ass. And but see, I don't even give kudos do. for that because, like I said, you should have been in game shape from day one. Completely agree. You should not have Completely been overweight. And, 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 you know, I feel like being overweight like that probably contributed to his injury. I mean, I know it was an elbow injury, but you know what? I'm not a freaking doctor, so I'm going to go ahead and make baseless claims like that, that being overweight leads to Tommy John surgery. You heard it here first. There you go. Write it down. So we've got that. And then we also were discussing the moves that the Red Sox have made to get these quote-unquote clubhouse guys into the mix. People in the media and fans have talked for years about this vague notion of chemistry, that if you have the right mix of people and positive thinking and guys that are contributing to the team and somehow if guys eat dinner together, that magically makes them better players. I think 2013 will be the year where just plain old-fashioned character replaces chemistry as the thing you go after. Because you look at somebody like Johnny Gomes and Shane Victorino and David Ross... And as you were telling me the other night, these are players who just are not going to, would not have put up with the sort of shenanigans that supposedly went on two years ago. No, absolutely not. And that's why, getting back to what I said, I give the credit to Ben Charrington here because not only did he pull that trade off, but he spent the offseason bringing in guys like Victorino, guys like David Ross, guys like Johnny Gomes, who are known to be loved by their teammates, respected by their teammates, respected by the opposition. You know, to me, that's a big deal. And and I agree with what you say. You know, you hear all about the chemistry thing, and, and a lot of times it's overblown. To me, this says a lot about what kind of leader Dustin Pedroia was, because clearly he was not the type of leader who was willing to really put his foot down and say enough of this crap to guys like Beckett 
into Leicester when he was falling in line with that stuff. And maybe he just needed these kind of supporting guys who could come in here and really kind of take charge in that regard. I think that, I'm not saying that I don't think Dustin Pedroia is a good leader. I'm just saying I don't think he's capable of being that guy who, who you know, really challenges his teammates and, and gets in their face and says, listen, this is crap. You can't do this anymore. Helps to have the seniority as well when you get rid of somebody like a Beckett who had been around a little bit longer and was a little bit older. Yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. And, you know, a guy like David Ross, you know, he's been around for a long time. I mean, that guy's he's not getting any younger. But that, that backup catcher's role, you really just need a guy who can catch, not make errors, and, and if he can lead a little bit, that's a bonus. I mean, you know, who the hell needs the backup catcher role to be this big deal? But the Red Sox find themselves in this position where they've got a damn good one in terms of, like, the character in the clubhouse. Certainly looks like they're going to win the division, which is something that was completely off the radar when we got started. And for a few weeks now, we've been planning on you and I making a road trip down to Baltimore to visit some friends of the show down there who won't be able to be involved with your bachelor party coming up in two weeks. We're going to go down there in three weeks and see a game, maybe two. And I've gone from just not wanting to jinx anything by saying it out loud, but thinking, hmm, maybe you and I get to see the Red Sox clinch the division together in 2007 at Fenway. Maybe we'll get to do it again here in 2013 at Camden Yards. And it dawns on me today, it might not still be there for the clinching by the time we get down there. It might be over already. The Rays have really fallen off. They have. I mean, the Red Sox are playing very well, but the Rays have not been able to keep pace. And we're at, the, at a point now where they're, I mean, what, like four, five, six games, maybe even six games It was games seven up. at the end of last night. Whew, man, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I, I agree with you. I think that the that three weeks, asking them to hold on for three weeks before they can clinch this thing is pretty outrageous. But, boy, that would be pretty special considering how much fun we had that night in September 2007. Thanks in no small division. part to what went on in Oriole Park. Absolutely. It would be, it would be a kind of a nice uh, full circle type thing if we were able to head down there and watch them clinch. But, hey, whenever they can is fine with me. Don't want to make this a Red Sox show because we do have the second part of that final episode of Eye of the Storm to get to. Do want to first remind people about what we're doing and what we've got going on at friendsoftheshow.com, the all-new website, official website of this podcast and official website, dare I say, of the Friends of the Show. It's up there. We're posting the episodes there. You can hit us up on Twitter as well at Show Podcast. And things are starting to roll a little bit. We've got some followers. We had... One whole comment on the website. I'll let you predict who that was from. I imagine you'll be able to guess. Your mom? No, just kidding. No. (laughs) But a similar level of interest in my life, this particular friend of the show, who has probably interacted with this podcast more than anyone else. William? Close. Uh, One of the guys from the Harbor Hawks? No. What the hell? You were close on on the college front and the Brookline front. Oh, how could I forget Pete Evans? Of course. What the Of hell? course. So he is in. I was thinking about sending out this mass text message to 50-ish people telling them about the existence of the website and to subscribe to the podcast, but then I just decided to just go one night and follow everyone with the show podcast Twitter account and caught some fish there. Got about maybe one out of every four people I tried to get to follow that account to follow it, which I guess in the Twitter world, not bad. No, not bad at all. You're making strides. That's what it's all about. I mean, as long as you're not posting pictures of your junk or stuff like that, you know, Twitter's a good place. 43 subscribers. That's the weirdest number in the world to me. Because yeah, it is baby. fairly satisfying. I mean, I would imagine most podcasts never make it to 43 subscribers. 
I guess. That puts you past a lot of the pack. But who are the 43 people? I can probably There's think no of way about to know. 10 to 15. Right, and then but after that, how do you I have no get from there to 43? I have no idea who these other people would be. It's very strange to me. Well, listen, if you're one of those people that's subscribing to the show... Let us know. You can go to friendsoftheshow.com and you can leave a comment, comment much like Pete M. in Brooklyn. That you can. Is Pete M. still living in Brooklyn? This is the question. I think so. I saw a Facebook not post sure. that led me to believe that, that might not be true. I heard that he was trying to not live in Brooklyn anymore, but I think it may have be just a cemented part of his on-air I think character. He might have just point. gotten out of town. Maybe. But I'm comfortable just calling him Pete M. in Brooklyn for the rest of, of time. I mean... So we've, we've had a, a nice time walking down the Hurricane Radio memory lane. Did you go back and listen to the prior episode after it was over where there was so much old stuff in there that we didn't actually do? Yeah, night? and I also, it made me miss the first version that we did because I felt like the gloves came off a little bit more in that first version. A little version. bit more. A little bit more. I think more. we were a little bit harsher on Yeah, there was of- some more out-of-school stuff in the first take of the podcast that disappeared into thin air. And we'll be saving this one a little bit more frequently tonight, but that's okay. I thought it was still a pretty good show, and it got me to use the Internet Wayback Machine, yes. archive.org, to look and see, because I know that some recorded stuff had, had appeared on the site uh, previously. Basically, any website that had generated enough traffic to be noteworthy has been archived by this site, archive.org, and it takes snapshots of how the site used to look over the course of time. Now, with a lot of websites, that's frustrating because if it used Flash or if there were a lot of pictures that aren't uploaded to the web anymore, you see just a little bit of a shell of the website the way it was. But where Hurricane Radio was just a hastily assembled piece of crap that was done almost exclusively in HTML, all of it is still there, which is outstanding, including the Faust and John in the Morning Wicked Early Special from Black Friday 2010. I'm glad that that was still there. You sent me the link. I haven't gotten around to listening to listening to it yet. But back when it was an active website, I was I had listened to it. So I've listened to it within the last like probably year and a half or so. I have heard it uh, because I knew it was still there. And you know, I want to I want to get to this really quick because this was something that we touched upon in the long lost first podcast that we did revisiting Hurricane Radio, and then it got deleted. When I talked in that initial you know last show that we, that we did. I said that I was trying to do the whole trickery with Justin TV where I was going to get it up to over 100 views and it was going to be saved. That did not happen because I was in the process of getting it up over 100 views. You know, I'd basically click on it like seven or eight times a day for like, and probably even more than that to start. Within a week, it was gone off Justin TV. So clearly, there was some outside influence, somebody there at HurricaneRadio.net put the kibosh on that Justin TV archive. And that pisses me right off. And I want to say, whoever it is, we know that you're in there and that you're all alone. And I'm going to come looking for your ass because it still chaps my ass that, I, that, I, that it wasn't on Justin TV. And I'm glad that I was able to record it on my computer before everything went to hell. And we still have the full episode, so the last laugh is ours. Exactly. But I'm thinking 2013, I listened to that Black Friday show, and it was a really, really good show. Maybe the best radio I've ever been a part of. And I just think, and Faust is one of the followers of the At Show Podcast Twitter account. Rumor has it he posted the last episode on Facebook. I think that, that you, you heard that rumor from me, that is true. Add those two together, there's a, a better than 50% chance that he's listening. So I'm just going to make this proposal. Faust, buddy, we got to bring this thing back in 2013. Whether that's on WSAR 
or whether we just go all Charlie Sheen and do it on Ustream. Podcast, whatever. I think it's got to get done. Well, it kind of has to be live. I agree, live. it should be live. Yeah, you're right. It can become a podcast yeah. after it's over. But it was just amazing to listen to these people out in the field doing the shopping, us looking at some of the online deals. And it was there was a few different dynamics going on because it was Faust and I, it, it was the... It was the us trying to understand the overall craziness of the day. Then there's kind of the right below that. There's the men trying to understand women thing. Like we're trying to understand right. the shopping patterns, and it's just blowing our minds the whole time. And then just the crazy stuff that happens on Black Friday that pops out. I mean, we didn't have. We knew what we wanted to do, and Tracy had put the teams out in the field for us, and we knew we were going to get calls. But we had no idea where that show was going to go. We had very little of it planned out, and it just ended up being amazing. Yeah, that was really something that you guys could be proud of when it was all said and done. It's a four-hour show. Should we make that available for download at friendsoftheshow.com? Yeah. You would have, have to wipe website. out a lot of the back episodes that are available right now oh, in right? order to make that happen. I but didn't know that. might be worth it. Maybe we could set up a poll on friendsoftheshow.com. To See, these are all the sort of interactive things that you can we do can with do. a website like that, John. Again, at friendsoftheshow.com. So in part one, we took you through all of the portions of the show that we did in studio with just the four of us in studio. Brian, myself, Will Bussier, and Dusty Cabral, friends of the show, the four of us, and had a good time there for an hour plus. And then after that, we opened it up, started using the phones. The phones we talked about the last time were something that I thought of as this amazing technology at that time. In hindsight, if you listen to those calls, the voice quality is pretty shitty. Terrible. Given the fact that there w- there was no phone line involved, that, that usual stuff that goes wrong with phone lines, there was no hard line. It was just people, usually with their cell phones, calling in directly to the board. It really should have sounded better than it did. But I'll tell you, it really was amazing. You, you just Your imagination went wild when you sat behind that board because I would sit in that chair and I had the microphone in front of me and the computer screens in front of me and I really felt like it was just a portal to the entire world. I would get calls from different time zones. That was one thing we mentioned last time is I would have, try to have people call at 8.17 and 8.37 so that they could talk to me during the break and be ready to go. But I also used to have to calculate people's time zones so that when I agreed to get, say, Chris Blake on the phone from Texas, I would have to do the math and subtract an hour to tell him when to come on the air. And with Josh Grimmer, I'd have to subtract three hours to tell him when to come on the air. And it was amazing to think of, you know, the different factors at different times when you were getting at people. And there were shows where I heard from people all around the country in the same span of two hours. It was incredible stuff. Yeah, and for you to be able to coordinate that, I think, during those early morning hours, that was pretty impressive. So well done on that because there were people calling you from the West Coast. There were people calling you from the East Coast. There were people calling you from Corpus Christi, Texas. I mean, the calls were coming in from all over the place. The best was the day the Mavericks swept the Lakers in the NBA playoffs. I got the calls from both Chris and Josh. And I believe I got one or two other calls just piling on the Lakers. Chris was a Mavericks fan. Josh just lives in L.A. and hates the Lakers. And then there's plenty of other reaction to it as well. That was, that was, that was an amazing day. But what we want to get on to now is the portion of the show where there were phone calls. I know Brian wanted to keep the callers a mystery until we get into the tape. But I can tell you we did have three separate callers. We also had people calling while those calls were in effect, which if you listen to my voice, 
I get pretty frustrated with that as this goes through. On the one hand, I'm just mad because I just had done a year full of shows where nobody would call my damn show. For every day I'm talking about where we got these calls from around the country, there was another day where I just blathered internet articles into the microphone for two hours because no one would call me. And here, and so I, because of that, and because there was no call screener, no producer, I never learned how to correctly juggle phone calls. And that's something you'll hear on the Black Friday special if you download that as well, is when phone calls came in in multitude, I never was confident that I could keep one person on hold without dumping the call that was on the air, something that you frequently heard happen on hurricane radio shows was somebody would be on somebody would try to take a second call on hold the first call would get kicked and you would get the allen howard memorial dial tone or the allen howard memorial busy signal on the air which i could just couldn't stand so you'll be listening to these calls you'll hear that beep of the phone ringing and there's just nothing i can do and there's a couple times where i actually tell people to hang up the phone because i presume that they're listening yeah that happened several times and it was it was unfortunate but you know what, John? Like you said, p- these people had their chance to call. They there did. was a whole first hour of the show where there were no phone calls. Mm-hmm. It was just me, you, Dusty, and Will. How great was that, having four people in it studio? Was. So we certainly didn't need phone calls. But, yeah, there were some people who missed out. Um, you know what? It happens. And they had a whole year to call you, and they didn't call. So it is what it is. All right. So I'm ready to blow the dust off an hour or two here. How about you? Yeah, let's get at it. Easy and it still looks like it on the inside, the furniture and stuff. The actual site where the building is used to be City Hall back in way, way long ago, 19th century days. And there is no, there are no signs that say it's a bar. Everybody just knows. <laughs> and they go there and they show up. And it's just the people there are just pretty cool. You'd think Chris Blake would know not to call my cell phone by now. God... I had to text this kid the station number every <laughs> single time he called. Every time. There was a time where the internet and and as a result of the internet, the the cable and the uh, phone lines went down. I was trying to call one morning and like I couldn't get through, so I ended up. John, being the radio professional that he is, was able to patch his cell phone through to the board. I remember that. He did work that day. Oh, it was incredible. Because, I mean, he had me on within, like, three minutes of me being like, The best day was the day that the two of you both called, and I put a yes! headset yes. over the Except phone the problem so that was you Will could hear Brian. Me. Yeah, that was, that was, was so close. Setup. Other than that, <laughs> that was quite was the setup. Here we go. Right, we've got a caller. Hopefully this is Chris. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's going on? Not much. What's up? Not much. We, I was just trashing you a little bit. I just got to let you know that you still on the air? That, yeah, that yeah, you called my cell phone. I just called your cell phone. It didn't work. I know. I know. Oh. We kid because we care. Oh. But welcome. You're you're calling from the Dallas Fort Worth area, right? You are where exactly? What's the name of your town? Where you live now? Grapevine. Grapevine. Okay. And yeah. it is an hour ago where you are right now. So you're calling in the later half of the show. Will Bussier made a surprise appearance in the studio. Chris, can you believe that? Chris, really? Good yeah. morning, Chris. How are you? How are how are you doing? Good. How's it going, Will? It's it's going great, but I, I got some words for you. Let me just say this: uh, enough with the Ian Kinsler already. All right, we're we're done. Yeah, we're certified just, Red Sox killer. Just stop. We're done with it. He's the John, new Frank Cattle. I mean, John can always respect his Justin Pedroia Ian Kinsler argument. Just I, I'm that we have every night. Wait, no, no, okay. wait a second. So so you're contending 
that Ian Kinsler is a better player than Dustin. I mean, Detroit. if he could play the Red Sox well, over 62 times. Right. No, when this started, he was contending in 2007 or 8. I forget which year, maybe both. I think it was for the All-Star game that year. Right. All right. It, that, was, it that, was either the rookie right. year or the MVP Right. Year. No, he wanted Kinsler to be the All-Star second baseman over Pedroia. And he was bemoaning on the Mets broadcast the fact that Red Sox fans were stuffing the ballot box. And we would basically fight about it on the air every single night. Okay. If he was so great, why wasn't he the starting second baseman at Arizona State, Chris? Ooh. Why did he have to transfer from Arizona State? Was there know. someone in the way? Someone in particular who was in the way? Who Listen, wasn't Ian, Kinsler, Ian Kinsler is a certified Red Sox killer. I'll give him that. He's a mean left there. That, that home run in the ninth inning still hasn't come down yet. It's no, he insane. No. But that well, having been Napoli's said... Napoli's going pretty far, too. Yeah, Napoli's well, Napoli almost is, cleared the contact Napoli ball. is another certified Red Sox killer. Ugh. They have two guys that, that... I don't want to play them in the playoffs at all because they have two guys that will absolutely destroy the Red Sox uh, in the lineup. Kinsler is only hitting 245 this year. I mean, for, I oh, know, yeah. he has 28 bombs and 68 RBIs, but Jared Saltalamaki has a higher average than him. I rest my case. <laughs> We're resting on so, Jared Saltalamaki is a better player. No, I'm not saying that, but Jared Saltalamaki should start at second base in next year's All-Star game. Over. Okay. Game. Anyway, so you of all the people here, you have known John the least amount of time, but you've probably yes. shared a microphone with him longer than any of us. Oh, much Correct. longer. For sure. Probably. How many years did you guys work together uh, as broadcast partners? Three. Three. All right, so that was three is long, this like a, excruciating is this like years. A, is this show kind of like a, this is your life, John Cabral version? Yeah, this, sort, well, of. sort of. It's 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 more, we've been reliving, uh, earlier before you called, we've just been kind of reliving the best moments, like our funniest memories of being on the show. I Will know. has been like a frequent caller. I never did learn how to take put another call on hold while this person was yeah. on the air without no, jumping the original call. So Probably not worth trying. No. Um, Back with you briefly here in 2013. So this is what I'm talking about, the beeping of the phone call. You'll also know that the the sound of Chris's call sounded fine until up about now, and now it's going to sound like crap the rest yeah, of the way. bad. Well, j- before you hit that, we later find out who is trying to call. At this point, we don't know who's trying to call in. We, we only assume. And then later on, we, re- we found out that the subject of Ian Kinsler being brought up brought this person out of hibernation. So the next call after Chris is you'll know who it is. And thankfully, Mike Napoli now on the Red Sox. Thank you. Regrets, regrets. I wish I had learned how to <laughs> You do only that. had a year. Why <laughs> right. can't you figure it out? <laughs> no, it's basically we've just been kind of touching on some of our favorite funny moments. We've been playing some of the intros and things that... That I produced over like the, you know, six, the last yeah. like, six months or so, just for like some giggles and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's really been anything but a normal show. Will made a surprise appearance, walked in around like the second segment. Although we are presented with limited commercial r- interruption today, so it really wasn't the second segment. It was just kind of like one giant segment to start. And I guess we're you you could say we're in the middle of the, st- the big All second right. segment. Um, so, do you have any really like hilarious stories of John from from broadcasting with him? Before he gets to that, it sounds like a friggin' emergency room on that show right now. It does. It sounds like there's somebody hooked up to a machine that is saving their life. All right. George Clooney walks down the hallway. Next. Um, just like the email that gave birth to Will's blog name and stuff like that. Oh, the gas not break? No, this was this would be the Friday Falderall post oh, that Will yes. used to do when he was right. blogging for the Cape Cod Times. This was actually both before and after the Chris that the Cape League instituted its no blogging rule that we were taking aside and talked to you about. Oh yeah. 
Blogs are scary because they're the internet and future. Adam, hang up the phone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love how this keeps going. Maybe he's one of the four people who are watching. Well, three people because I'm, I'm one of the four. But Oh, no, we're down to three now. So. Oh, yeah. Adam didn't answer my text from last night about seeing if he was around, so he's not going to dodge me now. <laughs> <laughs> we know where you are. So, yeah, you, we've told the story on the air before. Or I should say you've told the story on the air before because I think I was here when you did it. But just briefly s- recap the Falderall and the, the mirth because that was one of the best emails that ever came across John Howitt's inbox. See, that's what's called a lead-in. I know you haven't done a whole lot of studio radio yet, Chris, but now that you're an adult, a lot of times one person that's hosting will talk about something to sort of set it up for the other person that's on the air. And that's where you come in and to see there, there's no there's no play by play to call here. There's no game going on in front of us, so we have to come up oh, with it on our own. No. Oh, I thought you were in a baseball game right no, now. No, no, no. Blake, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason <laughs> in his broadcasting debut. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know what the circumstances were, but I believe it was the Banana Pirate game. Of 2007. That was July 4th, 2007, a, a tie between the Hyannis Mets and Katua Ketteliers. Ooh, that's a big deal. Glad that that's well, that, that, not having lights, probably. Wasn't it in the morning? Uh, no, that, we did have a morning game at the end of the 2008 season, no, but this was a 5 o'clock game, July 4th, 2007. Oh, for some reason, I don't know. But continue. Anyway, so, not sure. Well, first of all, there was a, like, a 7-foot-8 pitcher named Stephen Penny with the brightest red hair you've ever seen in your life and a little bit of a beard. And apparently, one of the previous nights he had run into a group of Irish people who were visiting the Cape, and they had friends. So they all came out to the ballpark that day and dressed as pirates because they wanted to. No, well, because Steve Penny bore a striking resemblance and shared a name with Steve the Pirate, who was named Dodgeball. Oh, And had taken on that name. Oh, was believable that like six or seven Irish kids on the Cape for a summer decided randomly to just dress up like pirates and go to a oh, that's, that's not inconsistent with anything no, I've that's experienced. Completely so they're there in the crowd and we decide, felt this was there too, I was just like, Chris, take this tape recorder during your color innings, go down in the bleachers and interview these pirates because I want to know why they're here and what they have to say. This and this was pre uh, Somalia, Marist, Alabama. By right, the way, so it was, it was a happier time for pirates. Right. Right. It was pirates of the Caribbean pirates. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't it was, like you're it was get Johnny Depp. Pirates. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I don't really remember what we talked about. I'm pretty sure they were drunk, and they're Irish. They were. They were drunk and, and drinking. And I don't, so how much? I'm pretty sure I just asked them why they were here, and they were there to support their brethren. So. Bring my interview back up, and I think I don't know if it was innings it was in at that point. But we're just in the game, and all of a sudden, a big yellow banana runs by. <laughs> and I remember, I'm pretty sure John said some sort of obscenity on the air because he couldn't believe what was happening. And uh, I think he circled the entire ballpark before he finally left on that little road that goes toward the beach down in our field line. He appeared in straightaway center field, 
and by the time he made it past the infield bleachers, he was being chased on foot by children, and he was outrunning. <laughs> Brief drop in here in 2013. Can't emphasize this strongly enough. Adult-aged man, young, but adult-aged, <laughs> you know, six-ish feet tall, in a full banana suit, appearing, not going out to center field, but appearing behind the center field fence, and then running, I suppose that would be counterclockwise, around McKeon Park, just spontaneously being chased by every kid that was at the field and outrunning them before exiting to Old Colony Boulevard. Unreal. Kind of like a ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. And we disappeared and we never saw him again. Yeah, so there you go. And then, as a result of this, there was an email sent to John Howard, the, the then general manager of the Mets. Oh, well, the, I think the email wasn't a result of just these things. <laughs> we I think it was the fact that the John and I lost it for the rest of the game and probably didn't describe another pitch. <laughs> well, I remember that winter trying to put together a demo tape to take with me to the winter meetings, and it was just the two of us just making jackass jokes the entire time. Like, I would get, like, five minutes into a decent half inning, and then we would talk about something stupid, and it would ruin the whole thing, and I couldn't use it. And, and then you still had two additional summers after that. I mean, she probably that. had a little bit of a, of a point. A little bit. Well, I, think, I think the first year was probably a little bit more... Out there in the next, I think we got a little bit more serious the next two years. Yeah, but I mean, you you know, you guys were calling Cape League baseball. It was no one was expecting you to be Vince Gully out there. That's true. Uh, so I mean, we I couldn't even keep a straight face when we were giving the scores of our sponsor from the Dominican Summer League. I, that was a good one too. I have unearthed the text of the original Doll Doctor Karen what at AOL dot com. And that was another thing. Her her email address was Doll Doctor Karen. At, at aim, AIM.com, the email address that you got with you for put, setting up right. an AIM account. That no one actually right. used except for Doll Doctor Kent. Here it is. Just wanted to comment about the unprofessional conduct displayed by the announcers in the first part of today's game. This was on June 20th. This is like the second day of the season. <laughs> yeah, this is well before. That's a, this is a full fortnight before. Okay. No excuse. If they don't know what we're talking about. If they are at a level to be qualified to serve as interns, they should be able to conduct themselves with a tad more decorum. Who's if qualified to serve as interns? <laughs> a lot of people. And who is below this level? Right. We can do a whole I, I know show on answering that question. The guy who they, got, they caught peeing on Main Street. But other than that... <laughs> if they can't contain the their mirth, then one of them should get up and leave the press box until they get themselves together. Hope we weren't actually in a press box no, that year. We were just on Right. Yeah, it is worth mentioning. Hope you don't let them on the mic again this year. Maybe the t-shirt toss is all they are capable of handling. Ooh, that's a blow. We have really enjoyed listening to the games over the past several years and hope that you won't tolerate this type of falderall. So this is I will somebody... admit I did not know what falderall meant <laughs> you when had I first to read it. that and I had to Google it. No, the, the thing is, this is somebody who isn't a, a parent of a player. Or which affiliated is, with the team in any way. Right, which is what you assume... The people who are listening to your broadcasts are right. I mean, you don't expect that there's like Hyannis Mets fans like listen year after year to the broadcast, right? I mean, I never assumed that. No, I don't. But Doll Doctor Karen obviously was the exception. She was clearly a Hyannis Mets broadcast regular, and she was just really disappointed with what was going on. So 
I, I have two questions here. Number one, do we know who Doll Dr. Karen no. is? No, we never knew. We never no. knew. Uh, Chris, we are down to just 30 very precious minutes here, and we've got a line, uh, so I'm going to have to let you go. But thank you for all of your great service to Hurricane Radio. Uh, no problem. I look forward to working with you in the future. Take it easy. Uh, yeah. Go Frogs. <laughs> Someone's going to have to tell me what Falderall means. Yes, it will. Now, I believe we've got the call on the other line, if I've done this correctly. Good morning. So we'll get to that in a minute. That was Chris Blake coming in. Coming strong. Coming strong. That was the essence of what Chris Blake was doing. He was on the show a number of times, and he really is a cherished friend of the show because he's not only a great friend of both of ours but a terrific broadcaster and always contributes a lot whenever he comes on and always is a lot of fun absolutely and we've really gotten to know chris or i should refer to him as chris we've got to know chris know chris and and watch him kind of grow up because that first summer he was only 18 years old he might have even been 17 i mean i don't know when he turned 18 but he was I a think young he was 17 when he started he was a young in that's that first summer and you guys were working together and i thought I thought that that was so funny that, you know, you guys were so crazy that summer and you had only just known each other for a few weeks right. at that point. Now, I was actually concerned when Chris came in because his his dad was an executive for the Red Sox. And when he got hired, as we loosely use that term, you remember, I mean, Bruce Allen is still influential in Boston with bostonsportsmediawatch.com. But at the time, that was there weren't that many sites. As before Barstool Sports was running a full-time website, they would post their articles on a weekly basis, but they weren't doing stuff every day. Boston Sports Media Watch at the time was really the one thing that aggregated Boston sports stuff at that time. And on that site, something was written about Chris Blake being hired by the Hyannis Mets at age 17. And I'm like, well, you know, there was nothing there when they hired me. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and but I heard, you know, and you I were heard also his name, right? I heard his Maybe name not. from all these different people over the course of months. I was 18. You were 18, right? Uh, but I heard his name again and again and again, and it it, it was really starting to piss me off because it's like I've been at this for four years, and okay, my dad doesn't work for the Red Sox, but I'm still pretty good at this. And you know, he came in, you know, with all this hype. And so I, w- I was expecting, you know, him to be have an attitude about him. Oh, I'm I'm better not only than you, but I'm better than this. And you know, this is just you know for me because I'm here. And then you know, when I get out of college, I'm going to be huge. Which of course he is huge now, as he's now in Double A with the Corpus Christi Hooks, and we're very very happy about that. But it just it wasn't like that at all. He he just took to us. Very quickly, he was very friendly, and we were just able to. We really, he had, he was in his shell, and we just absolutely cracked it. And you kind of understand what they say in the military about tearing a kid down to build him up, because we were just absolutely brutal to Chris his first summer there. Continue to be. It was a big brother, little brother thing. Right, yeah. But I mean, we just mocked and made fun of him relentlessly. That 2007 year was a great year because of the cast of characters there. The Doyles, the Feltises, you, me, you know, Chris's first year. It was a real fun time Mm -hmm. to be around that team. And and I think that that helped because it was, we were were definitely cracking the shell for sure. But he was, he played along with it. He played that little brother role really well. And by that third summer in 2009, I mean, I, I just thought that we were on a total other level broadcasting games than where we'd been in 07. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, those 
your second and third years together, I didn't really get to listen to you much. I mean, I was working in Boston at right. that point. I didn't get to come down a lot. It was too bad. But you guys definitely had a great rapport on the air. He was always very supportive. You know, the term friend of the show is definitely, I know we throw that around, you know, pretty, pretty That's loosely. That's the whole point. Right. But he, he is definitely a big-time friend of the show in everything that you've ever done. And he's always supportive. He always has time to, to help us out with anything that we need him to do. And I just wish he'd get his ass up to Boston a little bit more often. We could see him, you know, that way. See that him in would person. be nice. There is a lot of tape of the two of us on the hard drive of the computer that's recording this podcast. I think. I'm not sure, but I think that interview of him talking to the Irish Pirates is in the bowels of this computer somewhere. If I find it, it will come on this show next time. Please. Please. That is my promise to you, loyal friends of the show. And now we're moving on, a next phone call coming, and as we had a knack for saying way more times than necessary at Hurricane Radio, let's go right to the phones. Ah. This phone was ringing this whole time. I heard it. The <laughs> whole time. Well, why don't you play one of the, why don't you play number nine on our, oh, the <laughs> dial's on the so what's, what's, what's called or all while we're on the subject? Uh, similar to mirth, apparently. All right. I don't think I don't think Dusty's going to know what mirth means either. I'm not, I'm not a grad student, Will. I go to online school. It's kind of a joke. All right, let me uh, read you. Well, the hold on, hold on. We've got time. a caller. We've got a caller. Uh, Good morning, caller. Good morning. Oh, Good morning. hey. Howdy. First off, I'd like to point out that you guys can be a level being kids while you want to. You guys can have them. I don't think is he's that great. It's Thompson, really. It's Thompson. The James Bond. Yeah, buddy. In 365 days. Right. This Wait is a minute. Right. Newly anointed Texas Ranger fan, James Carroll. Good morning. You can keep him for as far as I'm concerned. All right? I don't want him. When it comes to killing the Red Sox, this is the three players that do it. Sadly, he does it. Napoli and T.J. Wilson. Second, I want Josh Lowe back. Do so you want to thank your boy Chris for getting rid of him? I truly miss Rangers broadcasting system. And third, if not Rangers all day, chip the jump on the Braves all day. <laughs> There you go. All you need to do is follow that up with an out. <laughs> now, when did you become a Braves fan, James? Uh, well, I've always had a thing for the Braves, but I wanted to root That's for not the That's not true. That's not true. I've been picking it up more recently via Facebook, Tom. Oh, yeah. yeah He's you're, been all you're, over you're, the you're, you're new to the Braves, though, right? you got to be new Wait, to the that? Braves. Hang on a second. I set up a ball here. Hear what you guys are saying. And we just want to know when this whole Braves thing started. We all we all like Tom Glavin, but you right. know it's been a while. Bill so. Well, yeah, Greg Maddox too back in the day, '96. <laughs> I mean '95. I was. Yeah, won the World Series. The Braves annoy me because I'm always trying to watch a movie on TBS, and they play like 162. Not times. anymore, though. That's what's oh, good. not anymore. They got off to so now your TBS viewing will not be interrupted uh, unless it's a Sunday that's, afternoon. That's, that's a big deal. TBS yeah. very funny. Uh, you're, right, you're very, very fortunate. Funny. It's more like very fortunate now that the Braves aren't on <laughs> TBS. So, uh, anyway, James, this is exciting because every time that John, I would do a show with John, I'd come in and I would always go, John, you have a brother, he has opinions, and he has a phone. Why does he call the show? And John would always be like, I don't know. Well, the big difference is, did you work overnight last night, bud? 
I did. He works yeah, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. now, so this is right yeah, in his wow. wheelhouse. So where this is like it didn't. Yeah, it used to be you didn't look for this kid before. Uh, I see. Well, see, no, John never explained this to me, yeah. and if he did, I never listened. So <laughs> I, so I always wondered where the hell you were. So I'm glad that you finally called in the show because we've got your, we've had your dad on the phone before, we've had your mom on the phone before, we've had Homer the cat on the phone before. <laughs> That's true. No lie. So the fact that you yeah. finally called in. Speaking of, did you see that big, big huge rabbit you brought on the other day? Yeah. The cat wow. brought yeah, home a rabbit almost a rabbit? the size of the cat. I have a picture of it on my phone. It doesn't really translate well, to radio. Wow. So what, what, uh, I, I only uh, called in because I saw on Dusty's Facebook this is your last broadcast. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is are, you moving to, are you moving to a later show? What's going on? We'll see. We'll see. There will be something. You you want to get involved, though? Uh, I'd like to have on anyway. I can. All right. All right. Well, hey. Come we right have in. it on tape now. Come. All right. I want to jump in here for a second because, number one, you you were right. That phone audio sounds like awful. Ass. Oh my god, that's number one. And number two, James Cabral. I'd like to help out in any way that I can. Has still not been on the Friends of the Show podcast. Episode nineteen what? still has not been on. We've got to fix that. This has to happen. If James Cabral, if you're listening, you're probably not. Come on the show. James is on for another minute or so here, so we'll finish up with James and then we'll break it all down. I'm Ranger playoff time. We'll be doing the clock. You will be the Ranger insider, James. Go Rangers. There you go. Go Braves. Chipper Jones. There you go. Speaking of which, Braves, Braves to win tonight. They got to beat Cliff Lee. I follow it. All right. Mark, uh, we're marking your words. And James we, now and we hates that. Cliff Lee. Hates. What's that? <laughs> Love text. Right. Anyway. Well, He's th- a runner. He's thanks a for calling player. in, James. We really appreciate it. No problem. All right. Josh Grimmer is going to call in in a couple minutes here, so we have to let you go. But thank you. This has been a delightful no surprise. Problem. All right. Get All right. Take it easy, right. Tom. Fire up number nine here. I did not see that coming at all. No. Right. No, I didn't. Like, Full of surprises today. Next thing I knew, it was, it was James Cabral. All right. So that was James. If your listening skills aren't quite what they should be, he is my younger brother. And that was his first and only appearance on the Eye of the Storm coming in on the last day of the show, coming in completely surprised that it was the last show in classic James fashion, and just coming in really off the top rope with the Texas Rangers stuff, taking a shot at Chris, holding him responsible for the firing of Josh <laughs> Lewin. Really just a, a transcendent call. Absolutely, and I want to talk a little bit about James's sports fandom. I remember there was one stretch, I don't know if it was last year or if it was the year before, but there was one stretch where every he and he he was rooting for like seventeen teams at once yes. in all sorts of different sports, and every single one of his team was not only losing but they were losing in like excruciating fashion. And I remember I had just I sent you a text message. I was I said, "Gee, I hope James never roots for me to live because I'll probably die the next day." You know, and it was just kind of a joke. But but man, your poor brother, he knows how to pick the team sometimes. Yeah, this is you've called it the James Cabral curse. It's sort of the opposite to. The, the Jim Rome jungle karma for the few in our listening audience who know what that is. Just his picks tend to go bad over and over. I've tried to diagram his evolution as a sports fan as best I can. And I'm trying to remember how it goes down. Because you remember one of the, the money moments on the show there is me saying that's not true after he says he's always for the Braves. He start, we were both, there was a short period of time where we were sharing a bedroom and we were both Red Sox fans that was like it might have only been the 1993 season but we were both big time Red Sox fans and it was cool after that he picks up the Yankees in I 
pretty sure the 94 season. And you remember, I mean, he was a huge Yankee fan when you met him, oh, which yeah. would have been the year 2002. Yeah. Ish. He maybe, was definitely a big one. Yankee fan then, for sure. And so he was all about the Yankees for a while. And then somewhere in there, that stopped. Now, he also picked up the Chargers around the same time he picked up the Yankees and was a Charger fan for a while. The Chargers, somewhere in the mid-2000s, hired Josh Lewin as their radio broadcaster, where he remains today. That then leads James to flip that over from following Josh Lewin on these radio broadcasts to television, to Ranger Television, where he just starts watching Ranger games like crazy, disavows the New York Yankees, and just becomes the quite literally the biggest Texas Ranger fan east of the Mississippi and runs with that for a while, and now he's just grown that out. He's into the Braves. He's into Notre Dame. And then there's all these other teams that I can't even keep track of right now. It's really incredible. It's like a whirlwind of, of sports team fandom. Tremendous irony here is that he mentions all this Brave stuff Little do I know that in barely over two weeks, I myself will be employed by the Atlanta Braves National League Baseball Club. That's something that I never thought of, John. Good point. This, was, this show was on the Monday of Labor Day weekend. On the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, I'm idly watching some college football games on TV. A totally futile uh, exercise by me because I wasn't going to be able to watch long enough to see any of the games end. I just wanted to see some football again. But I had the, I believe, 2 to 11 shift at Cape Cod Package Store that night. Logged a ton of hours that weekend. And as I was just dreading having to go into work and watching these crappy college football games where big school beats little school 55 to nothing... I'm thumbing around on Twitter, and I find a retweet of Tom Hart, friend of the show, who is the sideline guy, one of the few sideline guys left in Major League Baseball for the Braves, who you may recall was the play-by-play broadcaster for then-college sports TV, now CBS Sports Network. Okay. He was the play-by-play announcer of the 2005 Cape League All-Star Game at McKeon Park. Oh. Footnote. So Tom Hart had retweeted a guy by the name of Drew Frank, friend of the show, working for the Braves, saying that, you know, if you were interested in working for the Braves for the pennant race and the playoffs, you know, give him a call at whatever the phone number was. And I'm sitting there waiting to go into my job making nine fifty an hour, selling liquor all Labor Day weekend. I know I'm quitting this show on Monday. I know I'm not going back to Rhode Island College. I go, ah, what the hell, why not? And so I call the number, get a voicemail, Never think anything of it. Still don't think anything of it as I'm doing this show. Then I eventually get a call back, and it sets off this domino effect where by the time I hit my 26th birthday, I'm living in Atlanta and working for the Braves. Loosely loosely defining living in Atlanta, loosely (laughs) defining working for the Braves. I'm doing very little of both, but at the time, I'm doing both. The story of that can be heard... And I believe the first podcast that yes, you ever which did. which is available now by request. It's no longer online, but it is available by request if you want to hear the maiden voyage of this podcast, how it got started, why it's there, and what I had been doing from the time when I returned to Atlanta from when I started doing the podcasting. It uh, is worth a listen. You can reach the show at Show Podcast. You can email me, john, at friendsoftheshow.com, or you can leave a comment on the website as well. And we will get that arranged to send that over to you. 
Yeah, that was a nice um, recap. I don't know. I don't know when did we start the podcast. Probably in April. Started it in February, February. of twelve. Okay, so you were four or five months, you know, in between. So you were able to recap those four or five months, and a lot happened in those four or five months. So that's definitely worth listening to for the diehards out there who somehow haven't heard it, or if you're late to the bandwagon, get after John because that is, he he really does a good job of recapping that five months of his life. Uh, you know, you'll laugh, you'll cry. But uh, it's a good time. And I believe that will bring us to our next call. We'll get to this in just a moment. But Josh Grimmer is somebody who you may recall had a fanatical love for Eric Gagne back when Eric Gagne was Eric Gagne. Yes. And really loved the idea of you know the, the ceremonial, crazy, crazily behaved closer that has since become popular in baseball. Everybody's trying to be now what Eric Gagne was then. And... You know, Josh and I have spent a lot of time talking about, you know, well, what music would you come into if you were a closer? You know, would you wear the Gagne goggles? Would you grow your <laughs> hair out? Would you wear crazy jewelry? So the idea of being a closer meant a lot to Josh. So I wanted to give him a chance to come in out of the bullpen and slam the door <laughs> on the eye of the storm. And did he ever? I don't know if he was as roided up as Eric Gagne was, but he certainly was as automatic as Gagne was in that. What, what year was that? 2002-ish? That was his best year. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. That was nasty. The but guy was filthy. Continued to be for certainly the two years that followed, and maybe four, but certainly not 2007, after Ooh. he came to Boston. That's, yeah. of course, the proverbial different story for the proverbial different day. But Josh is coming on here in a minute. And remember, this is Labor Day. So one thing you want to know as we go forward here, Labor Day is, of course, traditionally now no longer is, but it is the day of the... Jerry Lewis Muscular Dystrophy Association, Jerry's Kids Telethon, and that's a big part of what we are about to do. So again, 2011. No, 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 number nine. Or is this number nine? nine. You're killing me with the numbers. Number I don't know why the hell I didn't. Why don't you label these things? I, I didn't label them. I, I just like labeled them by numbers. Like I'm I supposed didn't to have time. I was sitting them all like rushing this morning. Just play the Although I guess that's what happens when you do them at like five in the morning. I think we'll play. We'll have to play that as we get towards the end. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, Dusty has a crush on the epic. <laughs> I do. I want one for one. Now I'm there's somebody. Into a room. Now see, I I found someone on a website named Doll Doctor Karen, and she looks like the type of person Is who it would. Karen with an eye, though. I've never encountered another no. Karen with an eye. Most Karens have an eye. Oh, that's what it was. All Karens I've ever met. It actually. was Karen with an eye. Yes. Oh, see, it's we been said that girls who are spell spell their names with eyes instead of other vowels are tend to be slutty. Perhaps Ooh. Doll Doctor Karen is a little doll slut. Ooh. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> well, anything's things possible. just took. So the, yes. there could have been other ways to make her happy, John. <laughs> well, she was coming after two of us. So. Yeah, hey, yeah. that's true. It's I perfect. hope she's listening to this father all right now. We've had to have a Hello, welcome to the Eye of the Storm here on Hurricane Radio. Everyone knows internet radio is the future. I'm going to blow your mind with what I'm about to say. (laughs) Stand back. If you call me, I'm going to talk to you. I've got two hours every day, and I've got the Justin TV exclusives as well, where we can really take the gloves off. Yeah, oh boy. Uh, Take your ass working and go home. Java Chamberlain, I cannot stand. I basically dislike his whole family. I wish I had control over when the commercial breaks on this show work, because we'd be in one right yes. now. Who is this Rudy Pooh? I was a bad guy. I was a good guy. What? Wait a minute. 
if Pete Shepard and I have to go out and MC story time at St. Peter and Paul School, <laughs> we'll do it. That's when you know you're a bad man. He still has to spell it. Are you on pins and needles like I am? Just in any case. How many napkins can I get? John Cabral here with you. 7 to 9 a.m. Don't miss it. I know I'm not going to. There were so many good ones that came out of that. we got to talk I, at least for a second about the Shepard one. Be- because... I will... Truly, reading the Herald truly News, right? miss shitting on the Fall River Herald News was one of my favorite pastimes here. Well, we I spent mean, a I solid segment that. right before Shepard started. Yes. You and I were in here, spent a solid segment talking about how awful they were. We you didn't I gave have out to her do email anything. Address. All you had to do was read right. their bullshit headlines so that the, weren't about us. The long and short <laughs> of it was that uh, we were looking for, we expected some sort of coverage for the fact that. Uh, we should point out that the Fall River Herald News offices are visible from right. out on our roof. Yes. They are within 500 feet. But when, when it was announced that Pete Shepard was, was going to be starting the show here, we assumed that there would be some sort of local media interest in the fact that they were able to get a guy of that status Who had been to off do a show. the radio for a year. Right. So we assumed that that would happen. Little did we know that... No, no, no. There was nothing. So instead, what we did was we read everything else that was that was on the site at that time, including a story about story time at a St. local Peter school. And, school. And, we've got and that was Let's Jones. bring him on. Good morning. All right. Before we get to Josh, I didn't get this in because I was worried about fitting everything in for time at that time. We talked about how the Herald News did not cover when Pete Shepard joined Hurricane Radio in March of 2012. The Herald News had a sports reporter dispatched to our studio was in there the first time Pete came in in person and announced that he was, in fact, coming because there was some, you know, there's no way this is real, this isn't happening. He said his first show was going to be April 1st. There were some people thinking it was like an in-advance April Fool's joke, and Pete made the trip down from his home in Billerica to Fall River to say, no, I'm on board, I'm really doing this, we're going to go kick ass and take names, and this is how it's all going to start. Uh, Chris Heron, Mike's brother, came down as well, to my knowledge, that's one of only two, maybe three times he appeared in studio. Once was when John Hawk's ESPN crew was down making the movie on Chris Unguarded, which then became a tremendous film on ESPN. He came in for that. I'm pretty he sure they only did that because Mike wanted him to be there so that they could be like, hey, his brother in his internet right. radio station. And we had decorated the hell out of the studio in anticipation of that, and then hilariously in the movie they just use an extremely tight shot of Mike and an extremely tight shot of Chris, and you see nothing of the larger <laughs> studio at all. But that's beside the point. What I'm saying is the Herald News reporter was there, interviewed Pete, interviewed Mike, there was a, there were pictures taken with Pete, Mike, and Chris, and there was the belief that, okay, this is going to hit on a slow news day in the Fall River Herald News, and, and we're finally going to get some buzz and finally get some traction. The Fall River Herald News squashed the story. It never ran. Gee, I wonder why, John. I don't know. It could be because the editor-in-chief... Had a personal vendetta against Mike, would be my guess. But that's a better story to be told over a drink at a bar, I suppose, and not on this here podcast. Let's bring in Josh Grimmer. Let's go to the closer. Hello? Yes, this is Josh. What's happening? Josh. Will is here. Oh, hey, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Dusty is here. Good morning, Josh. (laughs) And Ann B. Davis as Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Ba-ba-da-ba! 
so there you go. No, we were just explaining when, when the Herald News was, was ignoring, and that, I mean, they still are. We're Here we are a year later. I don't think there's been anything in the Herald News about the station, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, I've been on at least once a week. You'd think they'd be covering all the stuff. Sure That's that. a good point. Uh, but unfortunately, they have not been. But anyway, that it led to some good a good segment and a classic soundbite by you of like, <laughs> if we want to get in the Herald News, you know, Shepard and I have to go MC a story time. We'll do it. But no one ever called, unfortunately, and uh, you guys never went down. All right, and uh, MC. Now that Josh is here and the four of you are here, the party is officially on, and these next twenty minutes are going to absolutely fly. So I just want to bulldoze through what's left of my infinite list of thank yous. I'll forget somebody, but I tried to get to as many people as possible. First, uh, Will, I, I want to start with your dad, Bill Bussier, general manager of the team, general manager of Cape Cod Package Store. You never heard his voice on air. We talked about this on the show last week. I gave out the wrong phone number on the first day of the show over and over and over again for about an hour and a half until somebody texted me and told me it was the wrong number to this station. Bill dutifully called the wrong number I kept saying into the microphone, this microphone, over and over and over, and that was my best shot at him, I guess. I offered to interview him last week. He declined. It's the first time I've ever known him to not want to talk into a microphone. <laughs> uh, but he declined, but whatever. But basically, when I was going to start this show, we had some we had some very lofty goals for what we would bring in financially, and we were hoping that we would keep building, keep building this to a point where we would be bringing in 10000 a month in advertising revenue, which I don't think any radio station anywhere within a stone's throw of here is doing, especially that piece of crap 1480 WSAR. If you ever want to listen to awful radio, listen to that. Just, had to get Just kidding, Faust. We love you, Faust. Uh, so, and I knew that, you know, it's tough economy, tough advertising. I had to plan on, in order to take this show on, I had to plan on making zero dollars here. And that's not a personal statement. That's not a knock on anybody. But I had to prepare myself to do that. And I went to your dad and said, look, here's what I need. I need to work 15 hours a week. I need to work them at these exact times of day, these exact days of the week. Will you do this for me? He hasn't, I mean, that's very inflexible, very inconvenient for him as an employer. Yeah, no problem. Just tell me when it is. Rhode Island College pays its peons what they call special monthly basis. I would get a check on the 25th of every month, and that was it. Anchorman. Without having the two other paychecks from the store, I don't know if I could have done this for a whole year. So that was a huge, huge help in addition to all the help that he spent to me along the way. So thanks to Billy Biz. If we had drinks, we would raise them at this point. Billy Biz won. And he's always worthy of a thank you, even if it's not for giving you hours at the store. Well, we pretty much just thank him for existing. If you remember, and this goes way back, even to Josh's days with the team, but, you know, we don't say thank you enough. No, we don't. To each other... (laughs) Uh, you know, we just don't. By the way, I have a, uh, a definition for Falderall. Oh, uh, I'm excited. Dusty. Go for Falderall it. is a noun, and it means trivial or nonsensical fuss. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, why, so my why didn't you guys call me earlier? No, I mean, we, we knew, but Dusty had, hadn't heard the word before. We were reading the email from Doll Dr. Karen, so we needed to... That's the one word I know the definition of. Oh, okay. Well, see, we would have yeah. if we had known. Do you also know the etymology? That, that does not... I don't. Uh, what is the country of origin? I'm going to have to find that out. And you're going to have to begin spelling the word now, John. <laughs> <laughs> You've used up I, uh, all of your would, bonus time. It's time I, uh, to begin spelling. If you would know the definition of one word, I'm not surprised at all that it's Falderall. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's sort of the 
than what I've made a career out of. That's yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it, that's really what my life is. So you hear it shouted at you enough times, it just you know behooves you. All right, so yeah, I've waited. Yeah, yeah. Lo- I've waited long enough for this Jerry Lewis thing. We've got to get this. All right, we'll get it. We'll show. get it. I've got a couple well, more people. Well, this oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me interject with one thing. Uh, my first computer was bought from Bill oh. Boutier. Yes. Yep. Mine too. A distinguished uh, retail career. Gateway company. I um, I uh, I had just gone in for for oral surgery, and the entire right half of my face was numb. I'd never met Will's dad before. I'd known Will forever. Uh, so I, I went and I got my computer, and I, uh, I I looked like a stroke victim because I, I had just I had just been numbed out and I was probably drooling all over myself. And, and this nice guy with a mustache sold me a computer, and I was like, "Well, I look like a dipshit, but good thing I'll never have to see that guy again." Five <laughs> <laughs> minutes later, Will was like, "Oh, hey, there's there's a thing over at my house tonight. You guys want to come over?" And I'm like, "Sure." I'm like. Oh, there's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't remember my face <laughs> and what was going on with it. And uh, sure enough, he was like, oh, yeah, no, your face was dumb. I was like, yeah, oh, it still is. Yeah, that was me. Down, uh, yeah. one, down 195 in the other direction in Dartmouth, I have to thank Jonathan Harper and Jack Holleran over at the Little East Conference. Jack came on every championship season, did some heavy lifting. He doesn't really like going on air, but he did it and, and filled some valuable, precious time, did a great job promoting the conference. He's the director of communications over there. He's listening today. Thank you to Jack. Jonathan Harper is an internet streaming genius, and in the early days, we could not get this video feed to work correctly. We could not get it to stream the audio at a good volume that didn't sound like crap, and I told Jonathan about that working over in Dartmouth. He says, you're using Wirecast, which is the program we use for the graphics package, which he uses for all the games. He's like, yeah, no problem. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Jumped in the car, drove down here, didn't know anybody here other than me, jumped on, showed Joe. Joe, like the smartest guy in the world. He showed Joe how to do this, and then we've been doing the video streams ever since. So thank you goes out to him. Other people at the station, uh, my friend, Professor Pete Daly, uh, probably is what put me over the top getting this show here because I had talked to Mike Mike was looking to put me kind of on once a week maybe and I, I'm pretty sure it was Pete's personal endorsement that put me over Pete introduced me to the Belmont uh, reported to me actually by text message one night when some random person at the Belmont came up to him and asked him if he was John Cabral that was probably my biggest achievement in the Fall River radio market um, great guy does a great job here I'm going to miss seeing him uh, but then again I haven't seen him <laughs> in the morning for a while uh, T-Money from Money Talks uh, when the NBA Finals rolled around always good was fantastic called the show after every NBA Finals game I was going back and forth between you two guys with the Stanley Cup Finals and T with uh, with the Basketball Finals it was fantastic it was a great time to be doing the show I thank him and T if you're listening I need a mailing address for you damn it I'm going to send you that book about the Broncos I did Just I finally please did don't, don't let me forget glad to hear that um, Mike Pont and Nurse Shelley I don't know if you ever got to listen to their shows but Mike in the early days of the show had some other obligations when he was out selling had meetings and stuff he missed his show a lot in the afternoon and Mike Pont and Shelley Pereira would fill in they were hilarious funny talented and my, I wish I had gotten to do a full show with them. They were a lot of fun. Made this place a fun place to be. That was good. Uh, up at Stop it right there for one second. I know we've talked about this before, but I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast. You can get tricked by the magic of radio a lot of times. Somebody that you think 
is in studio might not be in studio. A lot of times, particularly if a celebrity is calling in and doing an interview, they may tape that interview when the show is not actually on and they will make it sound like the interview is live. But something that would happen quite a bit is when Mike would miss his show, a lot of times they would run replays of other shows. And that was common. I did that when gas got to be crazy expensive. I would take Fridays off. Joe would play a replay for me of a prior show. But typically a replay is going to be a replay of a show that you did. Mike had been out for so long that they began running replays of shows that fill-in people had done. And so there was one day... I'm coming into the studio because, as we mentioned the last time, I was working at Rhode Island College and commuting home to the Cape. So a lot of times I would stop into the studio and go on whatever the afternoon drive show was for a little while and then drive home. Did you talk crap about Randy Moss and get berated for it? Or was that- uh, yes, this is not that particular day. I was listening to Mike Pont was kind of like the host, but he had Nurse Shelley in there and Mike had his friend Nathan in there as well. And they were doing a really good show that was really funny. And I really, really wanted to get in on the discussion just because I thought it was it was interesting as hell the way they were presenting it. Nathan had come from, uh, like I believe, like a homeschooling, um, like fundamentalist Christian household where they had, as they his parents had made a decision. I never met this guy. I'm just going by what he was saying. They had made a decision not to tell him that there was a Santa Claus. Because they had they had this belief that one of the reasons parent child relationships can get strained. I mean, you we all go through it in your teenage years where you think your parents are your your biggest enemies and you don't want to talk to them, you don't want to be around them, and a lot of people you know lose good years with their parents fighting with them over stupid stuff, and, particularly girls, right? And so. Their belief was that a big reason why that happens is because you injure the relationship at a young age by giving them this Santa Claus character and then eventually letting them down over it. So they never wanted that to happen, and you know, and so they didn't. And I was just, I was like, wow, that's that's wow. And so I really just wanted to get in, and start talking to them about that. And so I come up the stairs, and you remember as you were walking down the hallway, you would hear the station playing off the server computer mm-hmm. that was down the hall. So I come walking in, I come walking in, and I walk into a completely empty studio. It was the day before the show. And I completely thought it was live the entire time. Drove in, walked into the studio to go on the air with them. <laughs> boom, saw boom, nobody. Boom. I saw, actually, I saw T-Money, who I just talked about, T-Nguyen, friend of the show, and Fat Joey. I don't think I ever learned Fat Joey's actual name, that they did the, the Money Talk show that came on Big after dog. that. And... <laughs> Yeah, they were there. I was just like, "Oh, where's Mike? Where's Shelly?" They're like, "Oh, they're they're not they're not here. That's just a replay." They're like, "You can come on with us if you want." And because I, I had to get up so early, I was like, "No, I really got to go." <laughs> and then I never ended up going on that show. Pizza's here. Pizza guys here. Wow, we'll take a close. break and we'll come back. Brian, yes, we just ate an entire pizza in three seconds. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. Just you know, we're growing. Except we're not. I guess so. We gotta slow down. Could be unhealthy. That gonna make me sick. All right, maybe not. Magic of radio, like we were talking about a couple of minutes ago. Anyway, now that we've gotten that taken care of, we've got a couple more minutes of Mr. Grimmer to get to. Let's do it. To Mike for getting the station started, for giving me the opportunity, who, of course, could forget the little general and all he did, building that table into the wee hours of the night, hours before we went on air. Uh, Brian Vienna, 
for getting me started, showing me how to use things around here. His fantasy football show is going to be starting back up this sun, this coming Sunday or next Sunday uh, from 9 to 11, the Players Club. That'll be every week. And then uh, Carl Pyers also did the show. The, the Groove Train. Right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. in the lunchtime hours. And did a great mm-hmm. job with that. Was a great friend of Faust and myself. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And then, of course, the uh, the rock upon which this station was built, Megan Papati and Julie York. Julie's not here as much anymore doing her thing, actually working at Rhode Island College. I saw Julie more at Rhode Island College than I did in Hurricane Radio Studios. Uh, but thanks go out to them for doing as much as they did to get us off the ground. And Megan, who just keeps on churning here, she's going to be the last one left from the original lineup tomorrow. She's now the senior woman Wow! here at Hurricane Radio. Did a great job. And then one last, uh, the one other studio person I had was Lee Lukoff, a friend of mine from college, was, is working down in D.C. He'll be taking over the world shortly. But he came home for the holidays. He's Jewish. Christmas wasn't really a big deal. So he came in, did a couple shows with me around Christmas time. Had a great time talking some politics, some basketball. He's a very, very wise basketball mind. So that was fun. And I think that's just about everybody that I have to thank. Eddie, the landlord here, yeah. for saving me a parking space every day. And uh, appreciated his sense of humor every day, walking in and out. There are... Uh, I won't miss the grind, but I will miss a lot of the people, and those are the people. So thanks to all of them. Josh, now, um, how did I do yeah. thanking all those people that you've never met? <laughs> um, I feel like I woke up at the right time and called in at the very right time to hear all of those names who, with the exception of Will's dad, I've never met and never will. Yeah, but you met my dad. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pro your dad. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this might be a weird question. Why so sentimental, John? I mean, you can you can just talk about these people on the air tomorrow. Oh, right. Oh, wait. No. Oh, wait. No. Oh, by the way, yeah, no, uh, before I forget, Brian Doyle has chimed in on Facebook. He says, hey, guys, first time call. I want to change course a little bit and talk about the menu at Jack's. <laughs> <laughs> what I would have done if I had woken up two hours ago. So there you go. Doyle, Doyle would have asked about the menu at Jack's. So thanks for, uh, for at least listening to the end of the show. I've here. been instructed by Brian to leave the final intro of his, a farewell, uh, for when Josh got here. So I have not heard this yet, and we'll play that in a second. But, Josh, I'm, I'm curious, how uh, how would you rank my, my quitting this show uh, against maybe other quitting that's been done, maybe in the sports world, maybe jobs that you've quit? I mean, how, how am I doing here? Well, you're you're quitting because you got you you got to the the catered buffet and realized that the food wasn't suitable even for Homer the cat, right? Right. I mean, I used to eat this before I made money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's not it's not on a par with any of the uh, with any of the firings from broadcast news. I mean, if if maybe you run into into Mr. Fiore later on today and he says, uh, is there anything I could do for you? you and, and then you say, you can certainly die soon. I would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, very nice. Very nice. I've got, hey, I've got that intro ready. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's do this, yeah, this, yeah, this is the John Cabral farewell, thanks for the memories, buddy, you know, clip. <laughs> this is a special request. If you call me, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> They're looking for you to star in a porn film. <laughs> there he 
are you on pins and needles like I am? Wait a minute. Justin TV bonus for you. Holy shit, this is <laughs> <laughs> This is two thousand thirteen now. <laughs> I, Brian, you had asked me in the days leading up to that show, the, t- the tough thing is, is a lot of people listening to this did not find that as funny as you and I just no. did. So I'm going to try to explain it. You asked me if there was anything in particular that I wanted you to do or find or put together for the last episode, and I remember requesting a... My Sacrifice montage. Wrestling fans will recall, and I think we even talked about it in, in a different part of the podcast or a different show. I remember hearing it recently. Is the WW then F w- hit a snag where they were having trouble getting sponsors. They were running into a bit of an image problem, and they needed to come up with some creative ways to make some money. And one way that they did that was they started, you know, al- new albums for whatever reason, and I. There are a million reasons why I need to get Josh Grimmer on. But one thing, our whole lives, to this day, albums come out on Tuesdays, movies come out on Fridays. They don't come out on other days. No matter who you are, your album drops on a Tuesday, your movie comes out on a Friday. Maybe midnight Thursday night if you're lucky. That's just always been the way it is. That's still Friday. But where Raw went until 11 p.m. Monday, if you could get your music on and it was coming out the next day then that was something, and it was a good way to kind of push something before it was going to hit. So that was one way that they started making money is, is they, would, they, would, uh, they would pimp this music before it came out, and then when it first came out, they did it with the U2 album, and they did and it w- with some others. Creed was one but of their most, absolute Most memorably favorites. was the Creed, and they used that song, My Sacrifice, with a whole bunch of different video montages. Mick the, Foley, Stone right. Cold, The yep. Rock, everybody seemed mm-hmm. to get the My Sacrifice treatment. So that was kind of one of those songs that you and I always <laughs> viewed as like a joke. Right, always. and we've always joked about making them for other people. You, you know, I, Chris Benoit. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so I said, yeah, if you could make one of those for me, that would be amazing. And uh, But I had forgotten about it. So when I fir- heard the first couple bars of that music playing, I just lost it. And then when you scratch the records and you kick it over to Wind Beneath Our Wings, that is also a wrestling reference. It right. wasn't the music from that actual thing, but there was a time after the WWF purchased the WCW they brought in as part of the story ECW, and the ECW and WCW formed an alliance. Stone Cold pulled a heel turn, left the WWF to go to WCW. He then became chief of the alliance. <laughs> and in order to get... Because initially, people liked the WCW. They were the good guys when they first came on because people wanted to see them 
get into the programming and people wanted the WCW to get its own show. Uh, we could do a whole podcast episode just oh on how the Alliance thing was handled, but <laughs> we're not going to do that mercifully for your listening ears here today. But basically, they needed, because Austin had been like one of the greatest good guys there had ever been, so they had to go above and beyond to, as they say in the wrestling industry, get him generate over heat. as a bad guy, generate heat for Austin now that he was going to be a quote-unquote heel. So how they did this among the ways they did this was they had Austin Appreciation Night where they just had all these <laughs> cartoon character shitty wrestlers one after the next profess their love to him in this ceremony and then they sang this wind beneath our ring instead of wings where they adapted the words of that song and I'll always remember the karaoke lyrics on the Titantron with Austin's head bouncing <laughs> from word to word and then, you know, and then that was Stephanie McMahon, who you heard saying, we put that together for you. So that was... At the end. That was the last... And um, I, I, as you heard last time when we talked on part one, I frequently almost peed my pants doing this show, but I really, truly almost <laughs> peed my pants hearing that. I had to get the train back on tracks quickly, because this one thing with Josh is he hates a lot of music. And it makes him really mad because he's a, he's a major music aficionado. Right. And I was worried that we were going to lose him after that, that he was just going to spend the rest of the show, like, forget the script. I'm just going to tool on Scott Stapp for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> and I was really worried that was going to happen. Plus, he and Dusty always clashed over stuff, too. And they ended up getting in arguments a lot of times. Not because they disliked each other. It's just they were well, so they're, different. They're that kind of guy. Right. right. So I was like, oh, man, Dusty plus Creed plus Josh, like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> It all ends up working out. No, it ended up working out fine. I will say that's the last piece of music that I cut for your for the Hurricane Radio show that you did. And I would say that that's probably the most fun that I had putting one together. Because it, it, I only put it together... It, well, you had to find had a, a video a short, of Austin Appreciation Night in order to do it, Well, that right? wasn't hard. I was able to do that on YouTube. And then... But I didn't have a lot of time. You know, I feel like... The plan for us to come in and for you to do that last show in studio, I, I don't think that that was something that was really, like, a week in the making. I feel like we found out about this, like, pretty late towards the end, right. where you were just kind of like, hey, like, I th I'm thinking about going up one last time, and I at that time I had Labor Day off. Well, the so thing I said, was, oh, I man. had to return the keys anyway, yeah. so I figured, why not just open it up and do one more live show? But we didn't know that we were going to be able to actually do that right. until just like a couple days before. So it was definitely that weekend before I was able to cut that together. And like I said, I don't think I laughed as hard cutting any of the other ones as I did with that one. I thought that I just, I knew that everything I put in there you were going to laugh at. The kick out cactus thing was like one of our favorite things of all time. And putting the speak and spell voice, John Cabral in there was like, you know, it, that was a lot of fun to cut, so... I was glad that you. I was glad that you almost peed yourself. That was another that thing. Was, was well, I had to call Joe Correa to see if he could put us on live because I knew it was going to be autopilot. That being a holiday the whole day, I found out that he had already quit Hurricane Radio, but it being Hurricane Radio, he still had access and clearance to do all of. the And that's things why he, he was the man do. because he was he was right. willing to do that for you even though he wasn't affiliated he was with not the station. Lift, and he he was he went out pretty upset with people there mm -hmm. and so he had not lifted a finger on anyone else's behalf for several weeks prior to when that show aired but he still told me exactly how to do it open it up so that we could do that show so yet another tip of the cap to joe korea really can't understate we've mentioned his name probably right. 30 times now but there's no way to understate what he did there 
No, absolutely not. He deserves every bit of praise that, that you've given him because he really kind of kept you afloat there, especially when you were when you were doing the show from your own house and you were right. just recording it the night before and he'd wake up in the morning and insert the files. You know, I mean, it was that was a big big commitment for him to do that. Yeah, he eventually taught me how to do that myself, but for a couple weeks there, yeah, I was emailing him these files at glacial speeds overnight and he was waking up at something like five in the morning to receive them and put them so they would play out solid at seven. Solid guy. Very solid guy. We're going to get back to Josh and remember, it's the Labor Day Telethon. Oh, you're gonna, we're going to miss you, man. Oh, Good. Josh, you had to be there. Trust me. Yeah, the, that was like I said. Wow. I played that for my girlfriend. She was like, "I have no friggin' idea what's going on. <laughs> oh, I don't find that funny at all." And I was like, "Yeah, we'll that's right. as long as John laughs." I have no like, idea. I, I, knew, I knew you'd be the only one who really understood what was going on. Well, John was there for all of those those great classic moments. Now, Josh, we had discussed you making this final appearance a little bit, and we wanted to talk about the Jerry Lewis telethon or lack thereof in headier times for this station. We were planning on doing our own day-long telethon here that just made fun of the Jerry Lewis this telethon This would have been awesome time. had it happened. Unfortunately, Jerry did not hold up his end of the bargain. I don't know if you've been following this story. Well, let's just yeah. talk about this. Oh, I mean, yeah. We're at an economy of minutes right now. He was at 49 years. They cut him off before he could get to year 50. He probably won't live to year 51. Such an incredibly vindictive dick move that is. You know they were holding back that haymaker at the MDA for a solid 10 years to bust him in the mouth with this year. (laughs) How much of a complete asshole must Jerry Lewis have been to get this fate in the end? I am stunned. It's a six-hour telethon that he is not a part of at all. They went out of the way to have him sing his song at the end and record it, only to tell him they weren't going to air it today, which they might or might not do. But wow. It's like when Buck O'Neill died before he could get in the Hall of Fame. Like, what the hell are you thinking? I just want you to know that the most important thing to me are my children. Uh, that's, a, I think, the official line from Jerry Lewis regarding his uh, his lack of his 50th uh, uh, telethon appearance. But um, it's, uh, it's as somebody who thinks that Jerry Lewis is, is not funny and has never been funny and will die before saying a funny thing on purpose, this comes as a, as a really uh, a great moment in my life. I feel very vindicated. I feel like they've been waiting 49 years to set up this one hilarious prank. <laughs> and it finally paid off. Like, like they just dumped the world's biggest bucket of confetti on Jerry Lewis's head. Now, uh, you had prepared yourself to sing here. I can tell you I've got Gilbert Gottfried. Do you want to do one? Do you want to do both? Are you hell-bent on singing? Are you relieved to know that you don't have to? Back in 2013 here for a second, a better radio show host, I don't know who this guy is, a better host would have told the under 65-year-old audience that every year at the end of this muscular dystrophy telethon, Jerry Lewis would close it by singing You'll Never Walk Alone. And it was the it was kind of the signature thing that this telethon was known for. At the end of 24 straight hours on the air, 
it would just cut to this very dramatic crying Jerry Lewis, you know, struggling to get out the words to you'll never walk alone, <laughs> which was supposedly, you know, the, this anthem for people who were suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease that, the, you know, this song would inspire them supposedly, you know, who knows. But that was what we were getting at here. And that was how we wanted to end this show. Um, I'm thinking let's, uh, I, I went through the, the effort of, finding the Rodgers and Hammerstein lyrics and then writing them down because I don't have a printer. So I'm thinking, how about we do both? Which and, do you want uh, first? Why don't yeah, you just do them at I the same really... time? <laughs> Mash it up. That? Why don't you do them at the same time? Mash it up. Oh, no, no, no. I, that's, come on now. That's like saying I'm going to go sing along with Pomerati. All right. Are you, um, you going to go first and then we'll follow up with Gilbert or do you want to go second? Yeah, I, I, I think it would be best if I went first, and okay. then we'll go out on a bang. All right, we've got five minutes and five seconds left in the history of this show, so make, make it count. Okay. When you walk through the storm, hold your head up high, and don't be afraid of the Either Josh or Gilbert in a non-existent poll. <laughs> you want to end yeah. never walk alone? Through a storm, keep your hood up, and be afraid of the dark at the of the storm there's a golden light and the tender song of the Lord walk on through the rain walk on through the storm and you'll never Never walk alone. You never walk alone. Walk on. All right, that's more than enough. But I, that's exactly the tribute that I wanted to this show. I think that's exactly what we're deserving of as yeah, a program. Creed, Gilbert Godfrey, Josh Grimmer. 
It's pretty much the greats. Yeah, yeah. All, everything that you would want. Yeah, the Creed thing was, of course, if you were a wrestling fan back in the early part of last decade, they would make montages. They, they, had, tr- they had trouble getting advertising. They were getting a lot of bad press. And one thing they did was they pitched music for people. And the first song was My Sacrifice by Creed. And they made a bunch of dramatic video montages. The most memorable was Triple H's rehab from right. blowing his quad. Yeah. Uh, fighting Chris Benoit, of course. Yep. We'll, we'll say, save the World line. Save, yep, save. <laughs> World's greatest dad. I'll have you save the line for the show, but we know the line that you're thinking of, Josh. And yeah, that I had actually requested that. Brian forgot that I requested it. I, I should have quit as a ruse more often. I've right. got more calls today than I know what to do with. Uh, literally, I do not know how to answer this call. Yeah, apologies to calling. Please calling. hang up. But thank you. <laughs> there so, you have it. Josh, I could, can't say enough about all that you did on all these Fridays, and I really have to thank you. This has been just a blast. And we don't have a whole lot of time left, but someone should say the word podcast because there are too many. This stuff's in my blood now. I learned too much about how to put these together and how to do it. And I know too many smart, talented, funny people that deserve an audience, however small that may be. And we will do something. This is not the end of it, but whatever we do will not be at 7 in the morning for two hours every day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year. I've done that for the last time. Um, yeah, not on your goddamn life. <laughs> Uh, I've got a nice enough microphone that we should really record a podcast. I've only been saying it All since, right. I, you know, six months ago. Just a few seconds here, so I'm just going to let everybody a parting shot around the room here, and then Josh knows the final words that I want uttered on this show, so we will get around to him. We'll start with Brian. Just, it's been great. I've enjoyed coming in here. I appreciate you letting me do it. Um, and congratulations. Doing this for a year uh, was a really big commitment for you. And, uh Awesome, awesome job. Well, the the eye of the storm has been a blast. I cannot wait to see where the brand of John Cabral ends up next. But I'll be looking on the internet. Put up the money, and I'm there. You know it, Justin. Uh, the few times that I participated, it was it was sure as hell a lot of fun. And there it is. The damn it, Justin TV. We never actually get to the final words of the show. We say damn it, Justin TV, but it's ultimately my fault because I should have known better. We used, as I alluded to, talking about Jonathan Harper, friend of the show, and what he did helping getting the video stream going. We used a program called Wirecast, which is a TriCaster, which I'm still not using words that people who aren't internet broadcasters understand yet. So if you watch an online stream on a site like Justin TV or Ustream or now YouTube Live, you just see whatever is coming out of the person's camera. If you want to add the television effects of graphics, replay, commercials, things like that. You need a TriCaster in order to do that. And the only one that's really affordable for regular people like you and I is called Wirecast. And that is a program that takes the video. You can then lay the graphics over it and you can send it out to Justin TV in this case or any other video streaming site. We would do that. But the thing is when you would stop the video on Wirecast... It would take, there was, you would lose like something like six seconds in translation. It would cut off because Justin TV was always a little bit behind. So not only, and I knew that, I had done that enough times to know because I had, I had cut off the last couple seconds of my show plenty of times doing that because it was up to me to end the broadcast manually on the video side. Secondarily, If we had the tape continue, you might recall after the show was over, it did not go back to 
the recorded programming automatically because typically the next show would have not would not have been until an hour later when Megan and Julie would have come in. So the autopilot wasn't scheduled to pick back up until 10 o'clock, I believe. So I kept waiting for the normal stuff to come back on so we could leave, and it never did. And we actually talked back out into the microphones again after that when I figured out what was going on. So we were not pressed for time like I thought we were either. Right. And I should have known to stop it. But if Josh was on that show a lot, and that's something we really need to rectify, so we really need to get him on this show. Um, but we had a number of recurring gags when Josh would come on. Uh, one, for example, was there's that, uh, it might be true, it might be an urban legend, I don't know, but there, there's, the, there's the either joke or truth that golf is an acronym that stands for gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. And Josh would just say, anytime he said an acronym, whether it was, you know, MLB for Major League Baseball, you know, NAACP, or any acronym you would ever name, NCAA, whatever, you know, anyone, GOP, you you know, you name it. Mm -hmm. And he would say, and you know what GOP stands for, right, John? And I'd say, what, Josh? And he'd say, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. He would say every time, it did not matter what the acronym was, he'd say it every time, and then he would laugh. So there were a number of things that we would do like that, and one was any time someone died, there was a, in showbiz, there was a movie theater, I believe, he'll clarify it, in his area that he would drive by or uh, ride the bus by on his way to work, and it would say, you know, rest in peace, you know, name of the famous person, it's a name of a famous person that died, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but... Feed me a batting practice pitch. Somebody that died recently? Yeah, a famous person in the last couple of years. I don't know. Anyone will do. That's uh, the problem, really. Why, why don't I... Is Walter Matthau dead yet? Yeah, he died no, a long time ago. Yeah, fine enough. So it would say on the sign, it would say, rest in peace, Walter Matthau. No, it would say, Walter Matthau, rest in peace, make God laugh. So I wanted the show to end with Josh Grimmer saying, because he would say that any time about anyone that died... You know, so-and-so, rest in peace, make God laugh. He used to say that all the time. So I wanted him to say, eye of the storm, rest in peace, make God laugh. And he did. Which he did say. And that was how the show ended, but it's not on the tape. So we're going to have to do like a little like the Celtics did with I Got the Ball and have Josh say that. (laughs) And we will put that into the tape and pretend that it it was captured in the first place, I guess, is what has to go on there. Yeah, it was hard because you, we were so pressed for time, and um, th- I was getting worried. Like that's why I that's why I was like, "Oh, you should do it at the same time." Because I was I'm looking at the clock. It was like five, I think five minutes left. Right. And he started singing, and I was like, "I don't know if we're gonna have time to do both him and Gilbert." And I then probably get shouldn't have out. given him that option. But the thing is, there's an amazing. Well, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like it's not something you. There's an amazing podcast that I also have on this hard drive. You you heard briefly Penn Jillette's voice before Gilbert starts singing. The two of them, when Penn had a radio show, got together and did like a solid hour on the Jerry Lewis telethon. This was another thing that I kind of forgot. I knew that people weren't going to know what the My Sacrifice thing was, so I explained it. But I was doing all these shows the whole summer. Nobody was listening to them. But I was still doing them. So Josh and I had sat down. We had done this one where we were talking all about the Jerry Lewis telethon. And we were talking about, you know, watching it growing up and how we didn't like it, you know, for starters, because it always meant that school started the next day. And then we just didn't like the entertainment that was on it 
period. I was always forced to watch it as a kid growing up as the son of a firefighter because firefighters are huge MDA contributors. They do the, the fill the boot campaigns yep. that, that bankrolls a lot of what they do. So it was my dad would frequently, because they would cut away, you would go to the national telethon and then they would go to Channel 5 here in Boston. Locally, they were doing their own thing. And my dad was constantly seeing firefighters he knew presenting checks on Channel 5. So we had to watch this damn thing right all, all day, every year, so my dad could see <laughs> these guys he knew on the screen. So, but I, so I assumed that everyone else did that too, and I assumed that everyone had listened to Josh and I talking about the telethon beforehand because we actually did a really funny bit on how we were going to do like a, a telethon simulcast where we would be on for 24 hours and we would just make fun of the telethon as it was happening, which had things turned out differently with me at Hurricane Radio and with the telethon. I think if that had actually happened, would have been really, really funny. But I do regret a little bit that nobody really understood why we did what we did there at the end of the show. I'd also like to mention that we later found out that, the, as you heard there, there was someone trying to call for basically the last half hour of mm-hmm. the program. We later found out that that was your mom. Right. So I want to say that I feel really bad because we, we didn't get a chance to get your mom on the air, and I'm sure she would have said some very nice things. And you know, th- those of us who were in your inner circle n- knew the the commitment that you were making doing mm-hmm. that. And I said it, you know, in that final broadcast. I said it was a huge commitment for you. And th- I mean, j- if you just think about waking up every morning, leaving your house at quarter of six, driving, you know, an hour. For no money, sitting in front of a live microphone for two hours, like it, it's it makes you crazy. Like I, I start sweating just thinking about it. I mean, it's like it's 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 a crazy thing to do, and it says a lot about you know your desire to be in the radio business, to be an on-air personality, and to get that sort of experience that you know you wouldn't have been able to get on the Cape or anywhere else you know around there that you were able to do it. And that's I think it was a nice end to that show it's too bad that it wasn't wasn't preserved um but the the, the two hours that we do have there were a lot of laughs in there and over that year there were a ton of laughs too so it was a good time there most certainly were and i don't know another thing you hear in the background there is while the gilbert godfrey version is singing josh is just catatonic on his end of the phone because he finds it as funny as i do do I just I worry that other people don't find Gilbert Gottfried as funny as I do. That's if they, if they don't, that's a damn shame because I'm one of those people who I think that Gilbert Gottfried is freaking hilarious. I think anything, that everything he does is hilarious. Anything he does slays me. And at times when stuff happens to me where I get you know especially upset or sad or angry or something, I will just fire up YouTube and the punch Dan Marino in his video, name. right? Oh wait, no, right, exactly. No, yeah, no, not, not anymore. Jeez, um, <laughs> uh, but I will just type his name into YouTube and just watch the first five or six things that come up because yeah. it always, no matter what mood I'm in, he will always make me laugh. Yeah, he's very funny, and that was a good way to end it. And even if people didn't understand it, did it really matter? I mean, it's your freaking show. You can That's do true. whatever the hell you want. That is true. And, uh, and let's be honest, you're on from 7 to 9 a.m. It was not, there weren't hundreds of people listening, unfortunately. And well, That was something that, that really, when you said it, the It's Your Freaking Show thing, it, that really shaped how I did at the end when, you know, the, the facade of it being a news show just was not working at all. And I, at the time, 
I spent a lot of time in the car, so I would listen to a lot of other radio shows, and I also got more and more... The more I thought about doing a podcast instead, just because the logistics of this were so stupid, I started listening to more and more podcasts, including the Adam Carolla podcast I started listening to pretty regularly. And there was one day he had on, if you if you don't mind just IMDBing it, the gentleman who was the executive producer of Everybody Loves Raymond. He is he's a well known. Oh, name uh, in the his industry. name you is. May know um, anyway he went to Hofstra. His name's Phil. Uh, yeah, Phil. I don't want to say Phil Rosenthal, but it might be. You're very close. It's. Uh, I swear to God, he went to Hofstra. Yeah, Phil Rosenthal. Yep, Philip Rosenthal. Yeah, and Hofstra Phil University alum. Phil Rosenthal went on. And he was talking with Adam Carolla for a while, and he's he's been on a few times. And Adam Carolla talks about the frustrations he had selling pilots to NBC and CBS, which is an amazing. And Nick Johnson, friend of the show, corroborated all this stuff because he works in television and has tried to sell shows as well. Uh, after Adam lost his terrestrial radio gig in 2009, he began trying to pitch television pilots to networks. Network television is the most bizarre business there is. They will commission pilots that never go on air, and they will pay the people that make them seven figures to make a half hour of television that will never be seen by anyone. So Adam Carolla, for two years, was able to maintain a millionaire's income and a millionaire's lifestyle by making these pilot episodes that you've never seen, that no one else has ever seen, and taking them to networks, and he was constantly on his podcast complaining about the process and the you know all the middle management and all the stuff shirts that would get in the way of jokes he wanted to tell, <laughs> stuff he wanted to do, actors that he wanted to cast versus actors other people wanted to cast for the same role. And Phil Rosenthal, you know, he was always asking how he dealt with that with Everybody Loves Raymond, and he said something that that applied particularly to his show but applies to really all shows in general and really to life in general. The line that he said that always stuck with me, continues to, is he said, and he repeated it for Adam every time he complained about the process he was in. He said, do the show you want to do because we all get canceled in the end anyway. There you go. And it's, it, true. it's, it's true on a showbiz level, but it's, it's truer in life if you think about it and extrapolate it out. Do the show you want to do because we all get canceled in the end anyway. And that was what I ended up doing because I for for a while just had this weird, you know, boogeyman concern that, you know, if if I just veered off and started doing a show for fun, I was going to like get in trouble and like not going to be able to do the show as, as if that even would have been a bad thing <laughs> if somebody had made me stop doing the show. Uh but we did, you know, we we just we just, you know, kind of we turned into that gym teacher that just dumps out all the basketballs on the floor and sits in the corner. I pictured you pulling a Costanza and driving around with the World right. Series trophy on your like <laughs> attached to your bumper or attention Yankee morons right. or whatever it was. So we did that and it ended up being great and uh, I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did in some respects. Um there are still some things that I miss about it. I mean there when when a big thing happened whether it was a news event or a big game or something like that, to be able to jump on the next day, say whatever I thought about it, and talk to other people who cared enough about it to call in was an amazing thing. There's, there's some, you lose something in the immediacy with a podcast mm-hmm. um, where people can bank on knowing it's there at a given time. There were things that I could do with that that I couldn't do here, but I think in, in the long run, this is just so much better. <laughs> it is. I will say this. I didn't miss Serious John. Like when you went away, when right. when when breaking news, John went away. I, I didn't really miss it, but I will say one thing: 
when they announced that they were hiring Pete Shepard, hiring, again, like you said, being mm-hmm. a relative term, the day that he was supposed to debut on the, on the station, your show, especially the last segment, you absolutely killed. You were by yourself. I mean, there was... I, I, was, I do I, wish I had tape of that because that was really good. I was there one of the days that he was that he was coming in. So it might have not been the day that he was doing his first show, but I think it was the day that they that the day after they announced that he was going to be involved with the station, and you knew that there were going to be people who had never heard of Hurricane Radio right. who put it on, who said, "I want to hear what he's getting himself into." Well, you a, destroyed right. the last segment of that show, and that was I remember you you signed off the air that day, and I was like, "Damn, man, John is John can get this this shit done because that was." solid yeah. radio that was as good as your show ever sounded it didn't need any of the shtick or anything like that it was just you being you for like 20 minutes it was great we were thinking of two different times because you, you came on he announced he was going to do it but hadn't actually said so on the air yet and he started messaging me on facebook while i was on and you were there with me that day and then he came on to confirm that he was going to do it the next day. And I had you come on that next day. That's the day okay. you're thinking well, of. But the day that you killed it, I was not in the studio. Right. With you, that, was I remember sup- watching. that was his actual first show that he was going to do okay. was that day. And I remember I started that last segment talking about how, you know, nobody cares what I'm going to say. Everyone's here to listen to Pete. I don't even care what I'm saying. I'm here to listen to Pete. But then I explained that, you know, you have to draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, it would just be him on the air 24 hours a day and explained how, you know, why we got into what we were doing, you know, how him coming along was going to be huge for us, how we were going after these two crappy shows that were on the air every day in the Boston market at the time, Mutton Lou Boy, on those EI shows. and uh, Gresham Zoe on 98.5, and, you know, how it was time to do that. And then in that do the show you want to do vein, it was just baseball opening day, and something I always do on baseball opening day is watch the James Earl Jones speech mm-hmm from uh, Field of Dreams. So I just played that to end the show. And it was just, it was a really good way to end that show that day. He loved it. You could tell on the webcam that he was all about it. Yeah. And I just, I really, I thought that that was probably, you know, for all the great stuff that you did with Faust, for all the fun times that you and I had in studio, the the Veterans Day show that you did with Brian and Dusty, the final show, I thought for all the, the things that you did there, that last segment of that show was your finest hour at Hurricane Radio, for sure. That really should have been the start. I mean, that we really yeah. should have taken off at that point. And yeah. I'm still, I'll always be frustrated that that wasn't a turning point because people had been, people that care about me, not bad people by any means, but a lot of people had been telling me to quit that show in the weeks that had led up to it because a, a lot of stuff had gone wrong. Faust had quit. He was not there anymore. A lot of people weren't there anymore. And it wasn't, it was, it was, it was hurting my performance and other work that I was doing. It was hurting my personal life. It was hurting my health. I was my sleep patterns were all out of whack. I was gaining weight. I was, you know, I was drinking so much coffee. I was not only only sleeping four hours a night, but getting up to pee three times <laughs> during those four hours. I mean, it was just it was just utterly insane. Just the neglect to. I don't want to say selfless because it was an utterly selfish venture. I was just trying to put myself on the map. But at the same time, I was neglecting myself in a lot of ways to be able to do this. And I was just I was just stubborn and dogged about, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep doing this. You know, This is eventually going to pay off. Or if it doesn't, I want to at least do it for a year. And I was thinking, okay, well, this is, this is the ship coming in. You know, This is my reward for sticking yeah. this out. 
And I think a lot of us who were were on board with you, who were supporting the show, yeah. thought that too. I mean, I said this is incredible. Pete is not only going to bring in a loyal audience, mm-hmm. but with that is going to come sponsors. He's going to be able to say, "Hey, sponsor me! But, I have this many people listening to my show." And holy crap, did that blow up? Pete, and that's another podcast Pete for another day. Instantly liked me, and he instantly trusted me, and that was my show was part of the reason why he did it was because I gave the station a certain amount of credibility for him, somebody that was a radio pro. And so he started calling me, not all the time, but I mean, we were in communication pretty regularly there for a while. We actually, that night, before that show we just talked about, we shared a hotel room in Westport because there was a crazy storm the night before, and Fall River was like right on the rain-snow line where it had it had snowed like crazy my whole drive from Providence that night and was just starting to change to freezing rain, but I was not going to chance driving back in that and then you know, six the hours late, not happening. So, yeah, we shared a hotel room. First time I'd ever met him was to sleep in the same room as him, <laughs> and then we went into the to the station to do those Little shows. Little planes, trains, day. and automobiles. Yeah, that big right. It, no, it, it, uh, it, it certainly felt like that. We had, no, we had double beds, thankfully. <laughs> but yeah, no, that just didn't work out. Uh, he was promised a home studio and never got it. And no, I do. I remember him sitting at his house yeah. doing the show with his laptop and right. losing Megan Papati about mm-hmm. four times an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I called in one time to his show and hung up before he answered. Yeah. And so that they got the dial tone of death. And Megan called me out on the air because they had the caller ID. She said that was Brian, someone, and he left you out in the dark, but. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the Shepherd thing really should have been what t- took you guys to the next level. It didn't happen, and uh, and then when oh he well. and then conversely when he left, that was the final nail in the coffin. Because you you'll also remember that that day he sounded like absolute garbage. I meet him that night, the thirty first of March, and he sounds terrible. I remember that. Yeah, I'm hoping this is just a guy that was out partying a little too hard because he'd gone out with some people from the station. There, the Celtics had a huge game that they won against the Spurs that night. And like maybe he was just yelling at the TV and stuff, but his voice was not okay to go on the air, and he was just getting uh, a killer case of laryngitis that I guess had made its way around uh, the casinos because he plays poker for money, he's very successful at it, and as you know, casinos are not the most sanitary environments in the world. He knows that as well, and constantly sanitizes his hands while he's playing. But who knows, you know, how many people, how many diseased people handle poker chips in a given day. I mean, they're one of the worst things you can handle. Worse than doorknobs, worse than Ugh. subway rails. I mean, you name it. Almost poker chips at a money, casino. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, that's, and I mean, I've, I've, speaking as someone who's been to a casino probably three times in my life, I think, one of the times I went, I did get that, that gambler's cough right. that, people, that people come back with. It was bad. And so I, that was the thanks I got was I ended up getting it and was really sick for the following week. And Will actually saved my ass one day and called um, just because, just because somebody else had to talk. I wasn't going to get through the show. But after that, he went away. He only did that one show and didn't come back until he was on for when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup. I think yes. he did. He did like, I think. I don't know if it was the whole month of June or part of the month of June or something, but he did shows for a couple weeks, and he was getting increasingly upset with the arrangement, and he was calling me to tell me stuff that was going on, and I was I was trying to talk him down off the ledge, but at the same time, I totally understood everything he was saying. He was basically t- yeah. saying what you had been saying for the six months before that. Right, and then w- once he left, I knew that the station wasn't going to go anywhere, and so I just kind of did the shows in exile because it was the only place I could be 
you know, without lashing out at other people that were there. And the, and then we, we went out at the year. I, you know, I really, I wish it didn't have to go down that way. I wish I could have done the show live remotely. That's something I really wanted to have been able to do. Um, and I really still a little bummed with the way it ended, but it needed to end. And I, I think we put it to, together pretty well that day. Yeah. And I'm proud of the job that you did over that year for yeah. sure. And it was fun, you know, listening to these clips again and now they're back out there forever they'll be archived on the internet which is great because you know my my computer's fading fast so that was the only place that 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 those archives were living and i wanted to make sure we got them out there so i'm really glad that we did Uh, well i thought this was going to be a shorter show but we're knocking on the door of two hours again so we should probably put a bow on this here but all that bonus material does exist if i do have the copy of that uh that pendulet podcast if anybody wants that you can contact me i can send that your way or any of the other things we mentioned if there's a good chance it's on my nearly full hard drive here and uh, if you want that as supplementary pieces i can find that i can send it to you Remember, friendsoftheshow.com is the place your one-stop shopping for all things to do with this podcast. And once again, Brian Geiler, thank you not only for being on these shows, for hosting uh, these podcasts and letting me set up shop in your living room here, but also for cutting up all this audio so we could take this, as you put it many times, trip down memory lane. My pleasure. All right, that's a little joke because Brian was upset with me talking to me off mic about how many times he said that over the course. If you like go a back, million times. if you go back and listen to these two, there's over a million again, things that I said that, like over saying. and over again. All right, so we're on to different things. Hey, you can drive the bus now. What do you want the next podcast to be about? Tell me at friendsoftheshow.com. For now, this is John Cabral saying thank you, friends of the show, for listening to the friends of the show. <laughs>